0: listening to bossy britches with lisa Schinniger and julia dumay um and this week we're going to be talking having another of our uh, meta episodes we're going to be talking about revisiting things um re things rereading books and uh just generally revisiting pop culture so yeah lisa opening comments Opening Uh, statement.
1: Go. I'm going to tell you, completely independent of you bringing this up. I had already started uh, rewatching basically every version of Pride and Prejudice that there is.
0: I have seen some of your notes on that on Twitter.
1: And it was like when you said, let's do this topic. I was like, yes, let's do it because I have the perfect thing. Um, It started by accident. I just turned on the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice. And then um, it turned out Death Comes to Pemberley was on oh, yeah. Netflix or Amazon. I'm not sure. I think it might be Amazon Prime, uh, which is a three episode uh, sort of a mini series uh, based on the P.D. James novel. And I believe uh, P.D. James died earlier this year. And if you are not a fan of P.D. James, you need
0: to be. So get on that. <laughs> My mom is a big fan. Good. Yeah. Um,
1: Death Comes to Pemberley happens, takes place uh, several years after um, the Darcy's get married. Mm. Um, and there's a, a murder in the woods outside Pemberley, and they have to get to the bottom of it. Um, And it's fantastic. The adaptation is equally fantastic. The casting is perfect. Uh, That was the thing that got me going, like revisiting. I think the reason I like to go back to, this is so cheesy. The reason I like to go to back to Pemberley so much is because. <laughs> Like, I'm so familiar with the characters, and then just the casting for each adaptation of it is so perfect. Every new cast brings some level of yeah um, new interpretation to it, and it sort of makes the characters even fuller, I guess. Yeah. Um, which is really, really great. I think, um, you know, nothing's ever going to top 1995 Colin Firth as <laughs> Mr. Darcy. Like, he's the gold standard, right? But Matthew Reese and Death Comes to Pemberley, like... Um, is a lot more playful like it's the character aged several years and in love and happy yeah i was uh, gonna say that you say
0: that that makes sense actually that he would have mellowed a little over the years
1: yeah and then the 2005 version who's the guy i can't remember i remember his name from spooks you know um matthew mcfadden um he's like a much more intense darcy like Mm. he's not so awkward um
0: he's just Great.
1: I don't know. I don't have any other words. Yeah. But like, no, we're that's... gonna,
0: even as you're saying this, I'm like, we're gonna have to do like a period episode or just a straight <laughs> up Austin episode. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I oh, will spare you my Austin big episode. rant about, um, about mrs bennett my eternal defense of her um oh, mrs bennett yes yes i will like spare you my rant for the moment but we'll we'll have to do an austin and or period yeah. beast episode sometime mm-hmm. and i will i'll share it then believe me
1: <laughs> but yeah so revisiting that um just because it's such a like they're such treasured characters for me um they've i first i first read austin i think later than most uh, most girls do. Mm. I think I was in college the first time I saw. I think uh, I was too, the, actually. That I saw the miniseries or, or read the books. It seems like most people I talked to found it much earlier, um, like junior high, high school age. Uh, but they're just such wonderful characters. I think um, like it's a really familiar setting. Uh, genteel always comes to mind. Mm. And it's really just... The happy endings are happy. Mm. Even the people who don't get necessarily happy endings, they're fitting endings. Um, so I just like like we talked about in a previous episode, like there's that comfort factor yeah. of knowing what I'm getting into. Uh, but I really like revisiting those because I feel like most of the time when I revisit something, I'm looking to find something new in it. Mm. Uh the other thing that I've been revisiting lately is the Terminator franchise. Oh. Um, because i'm getting ready to go see genesis terminator bad spelling yeah finally no i can't i can't even talk about the bad (laughs) spelling because it's perfect like tech companies do that shit all the time that's true that's true i say it as a joke but you're
0: right that is absolutely something a tech company would do
1: right so yeah i can't i can't fault it for that terrible spelling. it's
0: terrible and i love it yeah
1: yes exactly but so i've been revisiting terminator as well and um one of the things I said is that I really enjoy is, like, what new things I find in it yes. each time. Um, like, this is not necessarily a, I don't know, like, this isn't, like, a big ticket. Oh, God, this is going to sound really terrible. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, like, this is the first time I've seen The Terminator millions of times. Mm. Like, I don't even know. And But this is the first time that I realized that when um, the Terminator first appears and he's approaching the punks at Griffith at the Griffith Observatory to beat them up and steal their clothes, you can actually see Arnold Schwarzenegger's penis, which I had huh. never, like, in all the times that I've watched it, I had never noticed that before. Wow. And I feel like that's a detail that, like, teenage me would definitely have noticed <laughs> and did not. Huh. Interesting. So that was surprising. But then I also, there were other things that, like, um I don't think at any point prior to now I would have had an appreciation for yeah, um, you know just like uh, how the budget impacted like the efficiency of the movie you know yeah, but they didn't have like this big special effects budget so they had to work with what they had a lot of on location stuff a lot of um, Sarah running around on actual city streets with other people around her Yeah, trying to get away from whoever's chasing her like that really ratchet up the tension a lot more than you know in Terminator 2 when John Connor is you know trying to escape from various Terminators, <laughs> and it's all empty landscape. Cause they were able to like build sets and they were able to like clear locations and they weren't, it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and James Cameron um, breaking into a car on the street in front of James Cameron's house with no filming permit. <laughs> like, um, so it's like the, the efficiency of the movie and the effectiveness of the movie is really um, something I would not have noticed before. And now having seen, you know, so many big budget action movies Mm. i have this new appreciation for the really low budget so how about you what have you been revisiting lately that actually struck you yeah
0: well i'm doing my every few years um and that that's actually something i i wanted to talk about a little later is that i find for myself um books i tend to revisit a lot less frequently than uh tv shows tv shows i think at least some tv shows i revisit very very frequently um you know sometimes i will literally like get to the end of one on netflix and then go back to episode one and just start there again like all right well there we go um movies somewhere in between but books i find i revisit probably the least of all Mm -hmm. um and i'm not sure why that is why that would make a difference. Um, but recently I've been rereading the um, Song of Ice and Fire books. Um, okay. After somebody mentioned I saw some posts going around on Tumblr that was just endless more frustration with the show <laughs> um, and saying yeah. you know how about we take the summer and just it's a very casual it's not like an organized everybody start this book now just it was like mm-hmm. a casual like let's celebrate the books just everybody reread them at your own pace and do whatever discuss them if you want whatever Um and I find in some ways that can be rereading books and revisiting something less frequently can be more rewarding um, mm-hmm. in the ways that you mentioned that I um, get different things out of them each time. Yeah. Um, that I'm a very, I can feel much more that I'm a different person with each read yeah. and I'm coming to it with new ideas um like you mentioned austin and i think my first attempt at reading austin was in high school um and i got about halfway through and then i got distracted and busy and gay and didn't really care enough quite enough um Mm -hmm. to keep up um i had watched a couple of movies adaptations um but i had never really i couldn't get into the books until in college and even then, I say that. But you know, even but you know, revisiting it now, I think it's been probably been a good ten years since the first time I read some Austen. And whenever I reread every couple years, I get a lot more out of it. I understand a lot more. You know, I studied sure. history, and each time I understand a lot more of why is this significant. Um, I get a lot more of the jokes. A lot more yeah. of the humor. I find myself laughing a lot more. That's something that's happened with my reread of Song of Ice and Fire, too. I'm just like laughing a lot more <laughs> at these books. Um, I think, I think I have so many, I'm like, I, I think I was talking about it on Tumblr at one point, and one of my notes was, um, John has only had three point of view chapters, and I already have lost track of the number of notes I've made on my Kindle that are just lol John because i'm like oh my gosh he's such a teenager i'm like finding him hilarious this time around and then later when the whites first attack castle black when they bring the bodies back and they come to life again and attack i'm like cracking up he's remembering oh his uncle had left you know he was such a boy then i was Mm -hmm. such a green boy then i'm like oh my god (laughs) Child, it has not even been yeah. a year. I'm like cracking up at John. I just, yeah, I find a lot more, I guess maybe the first time through with books, especially I'm reading, I'm not a very visual person, not a very mm-hmm. visual reader. So sometimes I really have trouble kind of keeping track in my head of who's who and what's so-and-so, what is this indication, what's going mm-hmm. on. I I do have some trouble keeping things straight. So my first read-through was just generally for comprehension, for story. And then I can reread and be like, oh, here's not just sometimes in mysteries, something with a big twist. Oh, here's the foreshadowing of that. But also I can appreciate a lot more of... The details that the author yeah. puts in there. Um, I my second or third read will really be for character, for the subtler touches. Mm-hmm.
1: That's really interesting. Now I want to I want to reread. Oh, <laughs> Add you should That can be our next summer.
0: our next book club after Harry yeah, Potter. That's a good idea. We can do it, and we should be ready to do it sometime in the winter. So yeah. too. So
1: that seems fitting. Sometime twenty sixteen, yes,
0: seventeen. <laughs>
1: about the time winds of winter comes out yeah. we'll be ready to, to we'll tackle ready. the rest of the series yeah yeah um yeah so that's it. that's really interesting and something you said struck me um like you can feel how much of yourself is a different person mm-hmm. um and that really resonates with me because especially with pride and prejudice and with other austen books i feel like my favorite character is different every time and I have a new appreciation for characters because yeah, just what I've gone through like in my own life, you know, gives you a new perspective on what these characters are going through and what Jane Austen was trying to convey with them. Yes. Um, like you said uh, that you're always here to defend um, Mrs. Bennett.
0: Yes, and, I will fight. Yeah, same
1: here, but, like, the first couple of times that I read or watched Pride and Prejudice, I definitely was not on that page. But like, Oh, yeah, the older same. I get And the more I understand about the circumstances that Mrs. Bennet is in, and also, like, the more I understand the type of person that Mrs. Bennet is. Yeah. Like, the, the more I'm totally signed up for, like, the defense squad. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. Like, yeah, to the death, I will fight for that character. Yes. But, um, yeah, so that's really interesting, like, that you feel like a different person, because um, the Terminator – thing that keeps hitting me just in the face is I was about 12 or 13 when Terminator two came out. And I just remember feeling like I like walking out of the theater, feeling like, like my entire face had been blown off. (laughs) Sarah Connor was just such an incredible character. And like her, the change in that character from the first Terminator to the second, and then like just how fierce she was throughout the movie was, like, life-changing for me. Like, it was unbelievable. But I didn't appreciate, like, the power of that until I was much older. Mm. Um, And then, you know, more and more Terminator sequels come out. And (laughs) what? How many are there now? Is this the fifth? Genesis is the fifth Terminator movie. Yeah, so fourth sequel. And I just, like, and, you know, then T3 comes out, and I'm excited to see what happens with Sarah Connor next, and there is no Sarah Connor. Oh, yeah. She's gone. And then she's erased in... T four as well, and then now she's a character again in in Genesis, and I'm a little wary of going to see it just based on the way the last couple of movies have gone. Mm. Like um like for me, the story of the Terminator is not about the Terminator, which I think it has become. Yeah. Schwarzenegger became such a pop culture phenomenon that like the the franchise looked at that and said, Oh, we need to make more movies about the robot. No. (laughs) No.
0: The story
1: is about the humanity yeah. that's, like, opposed to this robot, and but then, like, they shifted to John Connor, and John Connor is boring. Yeah. Like, we know where John <laughs> Connor ends up. Like, we know what happens to him, or we can extrapolate. Like, the real heart of the story for me is, is Sarah Connor, because that's where it started. It's in her resistance and her determination to raise her child and keep him safe. Mm-hmm. That like That's where, like, the real narrative thrust is and then you know to take the focus off of that it's like oh who cares yeah um so but that's that's not a thought i would have had at 12 or 13 years old i would not have understood that that was why i was dissatisfied like um that's only something that i understand now looking back on these things and um yeah so that's really interesting like i if you had told 12 13 year old me that this is what i would be saying now about the terminator i had been like are you insane did you see that liquid metal thing like <laughs>
0: he flowed through a helicopter windshield and became a new person. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, and even then though, you make the the point, we're getting a little sidetracked into Terminator here, but you know, (laughs) no, that's all right. Um, that's why would people be listening to us if they didn't appreciate our segues? Um, (laughs)
1: Laser like photos, I think, is what people really tune in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: You know, but even if, all right, fine, there is, all right, fine, people are here for Schwarzenegger. Okay, well, whatever, fine. But. they did that in two, they had him be a big part of the story and made him not a bad guy. And Mm -hmm. yet they still kept a lot of the focus on, on the family, on Sarah and John Connor. You know, there are ways to do that without completely erasing one of the central characters and relationships of store plot lines and, you know themes of the series um so yeah i think it's it's reasonable that you can enjoy that one and still be really dissatisfied with what came later for reasons besides oh besides cgi snobbery or something Mm -hmm. you know
1: i'm you know i am a cgi snob Uh, oh i did
0: not think i was until as we've discussed i didn't (laughs) think i was until mad max and then i'm like oh i really am
1: yeah i i really am but I think I I think I'll always give Terminator a pass. Um, yeah, just because it, it was it was so groundbreaking, especially T two T one. You know the effects don't really hold up as well. The mm-hmm. Terminator, um, but it's it, that was another thing that I was talking about is revisiting things and like seeing the flaws. Yeah, like, the flaws become clearer. But then it's like you reach a turning point where you start to appreciate the flaws. Like yeah. it doesn't become a detriment. Like it becomes not. It's almost a positive. Um, the effects in the Terminator, there's... I, I don't know how long it's been since you've seen it, but there's a um, a part where the Terminator is removing his, like, damaged parts. Um, and they obviously can't have Arnold Schwarzenegger dig out his own eyeball and reveal, <laughs> like, this metal eye behind it. Um, so uh, I think it was Stan Winston created, like, this uh, animatronic head, mm. basically. And it's it's very obviously an animatronic head like it's sure it's a 1984 technology it's demonstrably different than the real life person um and i like in the intervening years i think i saw that as a negative that it didn't um that it was so demonstrably different that it was like jarring to see yeah but i think i've reached a point now where i can appreciate the technology like how forward thinking that was in 1984 yeah um you know so like revisiting it that way, you can start to appreciate like the artistry of something more. Yeah. Cause you're not so bogged down in details because it com- becomes so familiar to you. Um, and then it's also not jarring. Like you're not all of a sudden staring at this plastic head. Like what the fuck? And you <laughs> oh, see like, seeing that plastic
0: head, you see more the importance as you get older of being able to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. um, definitely. You know, you're able to say, Oh, okay. Well, this is, pretty lousy effects but so much of it this you know this movie has been such a a positive force for me in so many other ways you're able Mm -hmm. to really look past that and see the stuff that really matters about it um it becomes you know you're familiar with it you know okay this part is is silly but clearly that isn't what i'm watching it for then so what am i watching it for
1: yeah like um like, Star Wars, I think, is the big one that most people revisit. Mm. Like, it's been around for our lifetimes yeah. at this point. Uh, most And probably most of the people listening to this are not much older than the original Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and that's an instance of, like, the flaws become really endearing. Like, seeing the screens around the TIE Fighters. As oh, yeah. space. You know, like, you see that... There's that brighter patch of black or only around the ships as they move through. That, like, haloing, yeah. Yeah, it becomes really endearing. And then I think, like, a lot of us, especially diehards, we would say that when uh, Lucas decided to go in and fix that kind of stuff, like, it really lost something. Like, it lost some of the charm of Hmm. um, knowing that it was a low-budget thing, that it was, like, an independent thing, that it was... Um, like, literally, this guy was like, I have to get this made. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, what it takes to get it done. Um, And then, you know, coming in and, and erasing that halo so it looks perfect. And, um, like, the real jittery uh, stop motion stuff gets smoothed out. Or you put in a blaster. Yeah. Blaster fire where there should be
0: a blaster <laughs> fire. I'm not going to talk about that right now. It's but sort yeah. of, Well, it sort of emphasizes. It almost makes you feel a little concerned. You know, as you're saying that, I'm like, I'm going through a whole range of complicated thoughts and philosophical thoughts on the nature of art and the cre- the role mm-hmm. of the creator here, and I think I'm I'm coming to a conclusion of, you know, it remind it makes you feel a little yeah. less safe in the creator's hands. It makes you wonder yeah. if you th- if you're like that's not what I was here for George Lucas. Right. That's not what I cared about. Like if you're into that, that's fine. That's, um, and you know, it was interesting. I really enjoyed Simon Peggs. Uh, a lot of his memoir was kind of forgettable celebrity comic memoir, but he talked a bit about George Lucas and, um, he mentioned watching some of Lucas's really, really early work and how it was almost, he used the phrase tone poems almost that mm-hmm. like Lucas was always, always much more into the, the technical aspect of things, um, yeah. you know, and we only just sort of realized that when he had the means to make the crazy mm-hmm. technical stuff, he wanted to from the beginning, he didn't care that much about the story. Um, and that was sort of yeah, it's sort of an unsettling feeling because you're like, okay, that's that's the movie you want to make, fine, but that's not what I was here for. Right?
1: Yeah. Like I, like the character of Han Solo, um, I think as originally presented was much different. It, I mean it, it's such a small change, but the reason that it became such a huge like rallying mm-hmm. cry for people is because it's such a tiny change, but it fundamentally changes the character. Yes. Um, You know, like, you're going from someone who is, you know, a lovable rogue, but willing to do whatever it takes to someone who only reacts when provoked. And that's, like, such a huge change for the character. Yeah. It's really easy to see that why people found that in particular to be so egregious, like, that
0: change. And that brings Um, up, because I I think... When my mom, uh, first got, she loves to tell us, uh, we first got a VCR, I think I was like two, even younger, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was back when VHS tapes were something close to a hundred dollars each. So we only had two videos for a long time, which were Sesame Street's Follow That Bird, for me. Yes! And, um, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So, I have seen like I didn't read. I sort of I've seen Star Wars in the sense that I had never actually to my knowledge con- consciously sat down and watched it all the way through until uh, the remake or the re-release in the mm-hmm. 90s. But obviously I'd seen it you know in the sense it was like part of my consciousness basically right. um, from a young age and you know, that brings us back to an important point about revisiting things, which is that you learn something new about yourself and you appreciate some of the depths of the story and the characters a little more. Because at mm-hmm. first, in the 90s, you know, when I was in middle school, I didn't really quite see the big deal about changing it, about Han shooting first or not shooting 1st mm-hmm. Um but yeah, as I get older, I understand and appreciate a lot better sort of why that's a concern, why that's such a big issue for people and how, why that is such a central change to the character.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Um, there's some stuff that I, I mean, I, I jokingly talk about how I wish that he hadn't fixed the auras and the clunkiness. <laughs> because that was part of the charm of it. Uh, but I do appreciate, you know, being able to sit down and not you know, constant have these constant reminders of the flaws of the medium at the mm-hmm. t- at the time. Um so but it's it's so funny like when you revisit something, even though you might be looking for something new, you're still looking for what's familiar. Yeah. You know, like there's a reason that you revisit the same things over and over and that those things that you revisit are generally things that you enjoy. Um, they're things that have like a positive, uh, like a positive memory in your life, basically. Um, and then, but like, if somebody changes that, how does that change that memory that you have? Because we know memory is is not immutable. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, there's no such thing as a memory that's set in stone. Um, mm-hmm. You're never going to access the same memory and have the same recall of it every single time. It's going to be subtly changed by you know, subst- subsequent actions or events or attempts to access the memory. We're getting really um, deep here. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, like, wow, I'm, this is... But like, we're both getting so then,
0: super deep.
1: That's what's really interesting is, like, especially something like Star Wars that is so ubiquitous. Even though we pretend that, like, geek culture is, like, this really niche thing, it's not. No. Star Wars was a global phenomenon from the first movie. It's shocking. Like, yeah.
0: No, my mom... Ma- you say from the first movie. My mom... Her friend, like, one of her old friends was dating a guy who's like, a film student, I guess. And the Mm -hmm. night Star Wars came out, they went on the opening day. And Mm -hmm. they were, like, the only people in the theater. And then the next day, it was, like, packed. It was just exploding that quickly.
1: So, like, if that's, like, a touchstone memory for so many people of, like, experiencing it for the first time and then revisiting it because, um, like, it started at the very dawn of like the home video age like came about not too many years later um so then when the sequels came out they were like they were in everyone's home yeah like it was something that you know everybody experienced so then how does that change as you get older like each individual has their own experience of it for the first time for the 20th time for the 50th time how does that change based on the things that come later Mm. how does that change based on, you know, the halo being removed or Han shooting first, like what does that say about the memory that you have as a child? Like is what drew you to it in the first place still present? Mm. If so many of those little things have changed, it's still the same product. Um, If you revisit it, like if I were to watch the original theatrical versions now, um, am I going to have the same feelings about that as I would if I were to revisit like a special edition or Um, Like the Laserdisc version was different from the theatrical, which is different from the special edition. Yeah. You know, how do those little teeny tiny things change? Because the little details of my life that have changed also influence how I look at it. Yeah. It's really interesting, like uh, this question of like when to revisit things and how often and how you feel about it differently. Like, it's really fascinating. I love hearing stories about how people do that in their own lives. Yeah. 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 You know, what are the things that they revisit continually? So listeners, if you have a story that you want to share with us, please do write in. I'd love hearing. Yes,
0: please do share those things. That'd be great. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've gotten the impression maybe, and I've actually been revisiting things less in terms of movies, especially, uh, since I think we've been doing this podcast. I don't really watch a lot of movies anyway. I don't think, um, mm-hmm. either in theaters or at home. Generally, if I'm, generally, if I'm watching something, um, it's TV, not mm-hmm. a movie, uh, just for, for many reasons we've talked about before. Um, and I find when I do revisit movies, I actually, like, I don't revisit them that often. Um, I tend to be pretty happy just seeing a movie once. Um, especially as I get older. I don't know about you, but I found that as I get older I rewatch a lot fewer movies. I don't know if that's hmm. really been your experience, either with movies or with books or with T V shows. Um, is there anything well, you find? I in? actually yeah.
1: find I revisit books a lot less hmm. now. Um, and I think it's just because of the easy access to TV and movies. Like I can get, on, (laughs) I can find any movie I want within a couple of minutes or hours at the most. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a click of a button and I can watch pretty much anything. Sometimes I pay for it. Sometimes I don't. Um, but like a book, like, that's a commitment. Mm. I have to, I have to find a physical copy of it. Or if I have an electronic copy, I know that it's a devotion of hours to it. And it's a singular devotion of ours. It's not, I'm you know folding laundry. It's not I'm answering email while I'm doing this. Yeah, thing. it's, it's going to be me and a book and a, and it's just the two of us, right? Um, so I find that I I do that a lot less. I, um, TV and movies a lot more. I think movies more than TV because, um, for a long time I got out of the habit of revisiting TV because. Netflix uh would not auto advance to the next oh yeah in my electronic device of choice yeah mine doesn't do that either yeah yeah so like I would start you know I'd put on a tv show and I'd start doing something else and then the tv show would end and I would forget to move on to the next one (laughs) but with a movie it's a couple of hours and I get stuff done in the meantime check in and out of it um yeah but for you it's uh, do you find more books? Books, more TV or more books, a fair bit.
0: TV especially. And TV, I don't know, I guess TV almost in a lot of ways occupies sort of a different role for me. Um, You know, and we've talked about this a bit. That's what I revisit the most. And that's also, as we said in in our comfort food episode, that's probably most of my like comfort food type pop culture is TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a few Especially, uh, I have a few comedies that I just kind of rewatch over and over and over. Um, mm-hmm. Parks and Recreation, 30 Rock, Futurama, Bob's Burgers, sometimes Archer is there in the mix as well. Um, and I rewatch those just continuously. Um, just cause, you know, I like, They're kind of brainless for me at this point. You know, I know Mm -hmm. them so well. I don't really need to put a lot of thought into them, a lot of energy.
1: Um, Right.
0: And some books I read... Books I... Weirdly, some of them are like that. But Mm -hmm. I also tend to be a lot more careful about rereading them. I don't know why. Like, I, I say careful and I mean like I hesitate to really reread them too often um mm-hmm. i don't know why why i why that's sort of why i don't revisit them as often in tv shows i will happily just rewatch on, on end over and over and over mm-hmm. that is interesting
1: like it i but i i kind of i don't know if this is why but i kind of feel like um there's something about a book like there, I know that how much more effort hmm. like how much more personal effort goes into a book yeah like that is that's the dedication of hundreds of hours of a person's life um, to something so intensely personal you know that's like it's true. putting yourself on the page through this fiction whereas like even though it is an industry like it feels like the television or movie industry is much more impersonal that's true you make it you good know point. like it's a it's a committee um, effort, I guess, a community effort. Yeah, uh, and it, It's still hundreds of hours of personal effort by individuals, but it feels less personal. Yeah,
0: and you make a good point, something you said a little earlier, which is that, you know, when you're reading a book, you can't do anything else. You mm-hmm. know, maybe if you have a not particularly messy snack, you can eat. um take a sip of a drink but yeah other people are probably much more
1: uh successful than i am (laughs) yeah i i
0: there are certain foods i can eat and certain foods i can't when i'm reading yeah um but you can't i mean when i'm watching tv i'm generally also like doing my nails or i'm embroidering or i'm answering emails or Pulling around on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have to give it quite as much, like, total focus the way I do with a book. Yeah. It's It's, yeah, you make an interesting point. It's less of a commitment in many ways. Even the, you know, relaxing, trashy romance novels that I'm just reading for fun, mm-hmm. those still require energy and commitment the way... Rewatching my TV show for fun doesn't, yeah,
1: yeah. That is really interesting, though. That, like, I wonder if maybe it's something to do with how books are more immersive, um, Mm. than TVs or movies. Um, like, it's a much more intimate connection, I guess, because you have to like think yourself into it. Mm. You're like, um, whereas a movie, you're just kind of passively that's true, not that you're actively engaged with a book as much, but. Um, like a, a movie or a, a TV show is just sort of beamed at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and you can still consume it without having to engage with it. Really? Yeah. Um, most of them, some of them you have to, uh, anything in the criterion collection, I feel I like <laughs> actively work at, <laughs> um, engaging with it. Otherwise I just am lost. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder how other people feel about that. Yeah. I mean, I'd be very interested. If they interested. find the same thing or if
0: they, if it works the opposite for them. I'd be very interested to hear from, from people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some other, other questions. Do you, do you revisit things that you were neutral on or, or better? Um, cause I find like, like I mentioned Song of Ice and Fire and the first time through, I don't know, I read them and I read all of them the first time so clearly mm-hmm. something was working for me but i just didn't quite latch on um it just didn't yeah. quite click for me and it was clearly it was compelling enough cuz those are each one is a freaking doorstop um yeah. so i'm like clearly something worked for me and i i was drawn in um and but I've kept coming back and each time I've enjoyed them a bit more and gotten a bit mm-hmm. more out of them. Um, and now I'm, I'm like, Oh, I think I may actually be a legitimate fan cause I'm on my third read through now at this point. So <laughs> clearly, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a pretty big time and time and energy investment for something I'm, yeah. I'm neutral on at best. Um, and some things, I don't know, I, it can be difficult trying to figure out what did I not like, but I might like now, later, mm-hmm. um, if I give it another try. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have you had any experiences where you've gone back to something and enjoyed it more?
1: I'm sure I have, but I can't think of anything now. I tend not to unless someone talks me into it. Yeah, um, same. Usually seeing someone else demonstrate their passion for something will make me sort of rethink how I felt about it. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, I can't think of anything. Sure. Right of now. course not. But, yeah. But yeah, like I, I tend only to revisit things that really struck me on the first go. Yeah. Like, um like for me and i i've been trying really hard i for a long time did that we've talked about it before that i'm a completist like i Mm. once i started i have to finish it um and i'm trying to not be that way because it's irritating yeah expensive and um but there are things that i have there have definitely been things that i have abandoned um because they weren't grabbing me and come back later to find that oh wow yeah i'm really into this um but I tend to go back to things that I already know that I'm into. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of an example and I just I'm no, just, that's just all right. It was, yeah,
0: sort of it was sort of a spontaneous question. Um, what about I don't know if this has happened for you, but there are definitely things I don't revisit because mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to enjoy them as much as an adult or or even just a few years later. Um, that yeah. there was something in my life that they were speaking to at the time. And now that I've, I've grown past that, I'm just not going to enjoy it nearly as much. And I'm gonna, I may even downright hate it. And I sort of want mm-hmm. to not hate it because, right. okay, I recognize intellectually it was not great in all of these ways, but I need to not be confronted with that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, One of those things for me is uh, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. They were so important to me as a kid, um, but then like and I've revisited them a couple of times as an adult, like understanding more about um, like Lewis's Christianity and like the religious aspects of the stories that totally blew past me as a kid. (laughs) Um, but I, and I think it's one of those things that I don't want to revisit because, um, the last time I did, I was noticing more about, um, like it it really is like a juvenile level. Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to say writing cause that sounds like I'm denigrating his writing, which I think is fantastic, but it is very clearly, um, for an audience that is not me at this yeah. point. Yeah. And I, we, and, and I think in contradiction to something like Harry Potter which is also clearly not for an audience that is me but which i think has like there's um i keep coming back to this word joy today like mm. there's a joy to those stories um yeah. that resonates with me at many ages but i think that narnia that joy is of such a particular
0: ah uh,
1: okay um and it's so pointed and it's so clearly meant to be like a religious joy type for of somebody joy. who is not you. Yeah, yeah. And that does not resonate with me. And so I don't want to revisit those because I don't want to lose that sense of how much I love those books as a child. Yeah. Um, when they were just adventure stories with a message that I didn't quite get. Yeah. Um, I was kind you know, of understanding more now. I don't want to. I don't want to mess with that. Yeah, much. I
0: was kind of. I everybody i i've always been sort of embarrassed because everybody talks about oh how quickly they realized that this was all just christian you know moralizing (laughs) i'm like i was clearly that went right over my head and yeah
1: it was like i it was not something i realized until someone point blank was like this is his christian allegory and i was like the lion is
0: jesus i was like Oh, like yeah. when I found that uh, out, no, I was like, "Aslan is Aslan, guys." Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. sure. Like when I found it out, yeah. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that okay, that makes sense now that I think about it." And then I felt dumb yeah. for not getting it before. I'm <laughs> like, "Oh, right,
1: okay." Yeah. I well, see. I was a big science fiction and fantasy fans yeah, and a lot of those draw on those like judeo-christian tropes of like the yeah messiah and I, that kind of thing sure so, like, it was just of a piece with those for me like my religious training was much much less thorough that's true so was same seeing these signposts you're oh, right so was, okay yeah. i feel so less i, I feel less bad than, about
0: it now now that you put minute it had those points those it had to specifically points. be said to me yeah. Yeah. yeah me too me too same yeah. i was like oh don't feel bad oh, about that good good thank you i'm glad that's what other people are for to tell things like that that's That's true that's 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 a very good point um yeah i think that's yes well if there's something you'd like to tell us about you should tell us because i think that's probably a good a good place to wrap it up um so if there's something (laughs) if you would like to uh tell us commiserate with us that you did not get uh c.s lewis's heavy-handed christian moralizing um it was not heavy-handed enough apparently it not if it, it wasn't heavy-handed enough for you either then please do let us know come come commiserate we will i'll make i'll make buttons for us
1: this is a safe space this is a you safe space us. i'm gonna make us all yeah. badges
0: for that i okay. didn't get it um I did not get it yeah so you should get in touch with us and talk to us about it. Um, you can do that on Twitter and Tumblr at uh Britches Podcast. You can do that on Facebook. Theoretically, I'm never on Facebook though. So um Same. I theoretically you can, uh, but Twitter, <laughs> Tumblr are probably better places, or our website directly at uh And uh please do, yeah, you can find yeah. us also individually on Twitter, I am Jules Has Sweets, and Lisa is O.C. So we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely.